comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. No doubt that in this service, God is set to bless you and transform your life in a very significant way. Let's come to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. Last week, we began a journey into who we are in Christ. And I'm sure that someone was blessed last week. This is going to be quite an adventure because we are going to go all out, full blast. Now, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, shall we read it together one go? Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new person with a new identity, with a new status. The moment you move from the world and you come into Christ, the Bible says you cease to be who you used to be. You are a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. In this series, we are looking presently at who are you? Who are you? That's a question we are seeking to answer because what you can do, what you have, your potential, your possibilities are all predicated on who you are. When you know who you are, you will know what you have, you will know what you can do, and you know what you cannot do. So the Bible says that it's important we get to know who we are in Christ. Now, John chapter 1 verse 19 to 20. John 1 verse 19 to 20. This question was put across to one of God's servants in the New Testament. The early part of the New Testament. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Somebody say, who are you? He confessed and did not deny him, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, who then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Ask your neighbor, what are you saying about yourself? Now let's look at Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 to 17. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? I, the son of man, am. Some said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others said Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Praise God. I pray that tonight and all through this series, the Father in heaven will give you a revelation about yourself. What you say of yourself and who you are is very important. In fact, it's a fundamental question you have to answer on the pathway to your destiny. If you are going to fulfill your destiny, you need to first of all establish your identity. Who you are matters. Who you are matters a lot. And like John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, 
all of us, we will define ourselves in one or three ways. Every one of us, our identity, who we are, and the definition of ourselves is always shaped by three important views. And I want to walk you through those three views. Three views that shapes your identity. Number one is your view of yourself. Your view of yourself. The first thing John was told, first of all, they say, who are you? Then they gave him some descriptions. Some say, are you John the Baptist? Are you Elijah? One of the prophets. Then they asked him a very important question. John 3, 23. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? That is your view of yourself. What do you say about yourself? Some of us will look at ourselves and we call ourselves failures. Some of us look at ourselves and we call ourselves poor. Some of us look at ourselves and we call ourselves sick. Some of us look at ourselves and we call ourselves not intelligent, not skillful, not somebody who can live, not somebody who is strong. You see yourself as frail, weak, sickly. All of these could be names you call yourself. The question is, what do you say of yourself? That was the question they put to John. What do you say of yourself? What is your view of yourself? What's your view of yourself? Many people, unfortunately, have a distorted view of themselves. Many people, many people in life. And you need to appreciate that a distorted view of yourself can be very, very disastrous and damaging in the race of life. If your view of yourself is wrong, your attitude towards life will be wrong. Your perception and your relationship will even be wrong. Next, we will be exploring the need for you to know your identity and we will be getting into what you stand to gain when you discover who you are. A lot of people have a distorted view of themselves. When you ask them who they are, they will either define who they are by who they know. I'm the son of so-so and so. I'm connected to so and so. I know this kind of person. Other people define themselves by the kind of car they drive. Other people, the neighborhood they live in. Other people define themselves by their position in life. Oh, I'm the CEO of this company. Oh, I live in this place. Or oh, I do that. Other people also define themselves by the relatives they have or the kind of friends they have. We need to appreciate that a fundamental view of ourselves is the way we look at ourselves. In the book of Numbers chapter 13, which we read last week, and it's worth reading again, Numbers 13 verse 30, Numbers 13 verse 30 to 33, we see how a distorted view of ourselves can be very disastrous to our destinies. This is an account where the children of Israel have been sent to go spy out the land. Twelve solid men who were strong were sent to go spy out the land. They went to spy out the land. The land was good, beautiful. They came with a great report that the land is a great land, but they had a poor view of themselves. A land that God had already given them. A land of great promise, a land of great riches, a land of great rest, a land of great blessings. They went there, took fruit from the land. But sadly, they could not enter the land. And the reason why they could not enter was because they had a distorted view of themselves. What land have you come so close to and yet you are not able to enter because of your wrong view of yourself? What land are you standing? Sometimes we have certain great opportunities and because we have a low view of ourselves, we don't even attempt them. Certain opportunities come our way and we feel that we don't qualify. We feel that we don't deserve them. We feel that other people are better suited for it. Who told you so? It's all a reflection of your poor view of yourself. And I pray that in this teaching, God will reveal your real self to you. Now look at what he said. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Do you see yourself as well able? Do you see yourself as well able or you see yourself as a victim of circumstances? 
You see yourself as a failure. You see yourself as somebody who can barely make it in life. You see yourself as somebody who has not got the brain to excel in life. How do you see yourself? So Caleb quieted the people and said, let's go up at once. That was another view of himself. He said, we are well able. That's how Caleb saw himself. But 10 out of the 12 spies saw themselves different. Look at this. Verse 31. But the man who had gone up with him said, the man, somebody say the man. I want you to appreciate tonight the majority view is not necessarily God's view of you. The majority had a view that this was the state of the people. They could not. They said, we are not able. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Is that your view of yourself? You look at other people and you judge them strong. Why can't you judge yourself strong? It says, they are stronger than we. These people did not say they were stronger than them. In fact, if you read the account of the children of Israel moving, most of the nations they conquered, before they went into the nations, the people actually were afraid. If you want to use a modern day, some of them were in their pants before the children of Israel reached out to them. They were so afraid. They had heard the name of their God. They had heard about how God delivered them from the land of Egypt. Now you must understand Egypt was a superior power of the day. And if Egypt had been overpowered, there is no nation that could stand before them. But unfortunately, their wrong view of themselves denied them everything. They said, we are not able. For they are stronger than we. Now go to verse 32. And they brought up an evil report. You see? Every time you give a wrong estimation or you view yourself in a way that God does not view you, we can call it an evil report. You look at yourself in the mirror and say, as for me, I don't think I can get a husband to marry. I'm not so beautiful. I'm not handsome. That is a wrong view of yourself. You look at yourself and say, as for me, I think I should have been fair colored because I'm not fair colored. I'm dark. I'm not a good person. You see, you are given a bad report about yourself. From today, that bad report is no more. In the mighty name of Jesus. Bible said they brought a bad report of the land. They said, the land we went to said, it's a good land. It is the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. It's like going to a place and say, everybody there is rich except you. There is no nation where everybody is rich. There are poor people in every nation. But said, everybody is a giant. Ooh, I wonder that kind of land. Everybody is a giant. There was no Chinese person there. Everybody was a giant. Even Chinese people, some of them are tall. Everybody was a giant. They say, no, that's not the case. Go to verse 33. There we saw, what? Let's read it together. One go. There we saw the giant, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. Can you imagine? When you have a distorted view of yourself, you will always be viewed in that light. People will relate to you on that basis because, you see, your view of yourself will always come across in the way you present yourself. When you view yourself in a poor way, you will present yourself in a poor way and people will treat you in a poor way. But from today, that marks the end of it. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 26 to 30. Numbers 14, 26 to 30. Now, because of the false report they gave, God is giving his verdict about them. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell this, as slowly as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I have heard you say. I will do to you the very things I have heard you say. That is verse 28. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
you will drop dead in this wilderness because you complain against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old and older and was included in the registration will die. You will not, take note, you will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, the son of Japhnan, and Joshua, the son of Nan. Did you see that? Verse 29. The only exception. The only exception. These are the only two people. He said only two people will enter. Joshua and Caleb. And the reason was that they saw themselves able. That's all. They saw themselves able. Let me tell you. God can give you prosperity. But if you think you don't deserve to prosper, you will be poor in life. And we have already been given that. The Bible said all things that pertains to life and godliness have been given to us. You have already concluded the kind of people who can drive a car. You have already concluded in your mind the kind of people who can live in a certain place in life. Who can get to certain heights in life. Who can accomplish certain feats in life. You have already concluded if you are going to accomplish great feats in life, you have to be born into this kind of family. You have to attend this kind of school. You have to have this kind of background. You have to have this kind of exposure. Who gave you all those false reports about yourself? What's your view of yourself? He said, tell us, what do you say of yourself? What are you saying of yourself tonight? What do you say of yourself? That's why we need to look at ourselves from God's viewpoint, from God's lenses. That's why we have the Bible to look into every day. Nothing shapes our self-image. Nothing shapes our mentality. Nothing shapes our self-esteem like God's word. They call it mirror. The Bible says, whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, who not been a forgetful hearer, but a doer of it. Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of living. That's why he calls it. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18. He said, we are with open face beholding us in a class. The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. You see, the quality of your focus on the word will determine the quality of the self-image you come out with. Number two is others' view of you. The first one is your view of yourself. Others' view of you. Now, when we come to where we read, first, they asked him, are you Elijah? So that was others' view of you. Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He said, I'm not. That was others' view of you. Now, you remember in Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? That has to do with others' view of you. What do people say of you? What do people say of you? A lot of people are not able to live a fulfilled life, a meaningful life, a life full of confidence because they are overwhelmed with other people's opinion about them. What people think about them, what people say about them, it so dominated their mentality that nothing controls them apart from what people say of them. And when I talk about others' view of you, I'm talking in a very broad term. Sometimes it's parents, what we say of our children. You look at your child and say, you, you cannot amount to anything. The way you are going, you will not succeed. The way you are going, you, know, you are not as bright as your younger sister. You are not as bright as your brother. You are not as strong. And they tell you stuff. Sometimes it's from home. Sometimes it's from school. Your teacher look at your results and say, ah, who, who at all brought you to this school? What kind of head do you have? I don't think you can go anywhere with this. And they, they give you a very bad verdict of yourself. Sometimes it could even be your spouse. I never knew you were such a useless man. And this thing is registered on your mind. Sometimes it could also be your husband. He tells you stuff that demeans you, undermines you, and you begin to wonder whether you are of yourself. There are people who simply have lost confidence in themselves because of the words they have heard. You see, what people say, you cannot stop it. But you can stop yourself from rehearsing it. 
retelling yourself, meditating upon it, and living it out. It's always important. You cannot influence. I wrote here, I said, you may not be able to determine or influence other people's view of you, but you can always choose to embrace or reject it. You can always. Somebody say, you can always. You can always. And I encourage people all the time, learn to reject other people's label of you. If people tell you, you are not beautiful, tell yourself, I'm beautiful. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are his works and that my soul knows right away. I'm not communicating somebody at all. It's always important. On what basis are you going to reject what others say of you? It is only on the basis of what you know about yourself. So when you don't know what God says about you, you cannot defend what other people say about you. In fact, the reason why a lot of people believe the wrong labels people place on them is because they have no better labels on themselves. When you see yourself as rich, nobody can make you think poor. Am I communicating? When you see yourself as blessed, nobody can make you think of ancestral cases. I don't think ancestral cases. I think of ancestral blessings. Am I communicating? Because when I got born again, the Bible said Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is every man that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing, it didn't say the curses. Am I communicating at all? So it is a function of your view and your philosophy about life critical. You may not be able to determine or influence other people's view of you, but you and I have a choice to decide how we are going to respond or embrace it. It's always critical. The Bible said, I've said before the life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. People's view of you may not always be a true picture of you. Sometimes they give you a false impression about yourself. They give you a false view about yourself just to take advantage of you. They just do that to take advantage of you. Bring you down because they've seen your potential and they know that you are going to accomplish so much. So first of all, let's destroy your self-identity. Let's destroy your selfhood. Let's destroy who you are. Let's destroy your view of yourself. Remember when David was going to fight Goliath. One of the things Goliath wanted to do was to give him a very low image of himself. He said, I'm going to kill you. Why have you brought this dog? That's what he, he addressed David as dog. Why have you allowed this little tiny thing to come before me? David said, hey, who are you also? Uncircumcised Philistine. He judged him rightly. Listen, this is fundamental. That's why I told you last week. This is A, B, C, D of Christianity. If you don't get this, you are not going to make the most of your life. It's fundamental for your faith to work as a Christian. It's fundamental for your success in life. Success or failure in life begins when you see yourself rightly. If you see yourself as a failure, why will you even attempt to succeed? If you see yourself as poor, why will you take steps that will move you into riches? Am I communicating that thought somebody? It is equally dangerous to have a low view of yourself. Let me walk you through three practical examples that makes it so important not to place your identity or base your, your sense of wealth upon other people's view of you. Albert Einstein is somebody I'm sure some of us are quite familiar with. At age four, he was deemed to have a mental disorder at age four. Very early in his life, he was deemed, maybe judged by doctors, judged by the, his lecturers or teachers at school, whatever. They said, this guy, the way he's going, he's not likely to be able to, his mind is not working well. He's deranged. He cannot do much. But when you look at the man in his lifetime, who did he become? That's Albert Einstein. Who did Albert Einstein end up become? Albert Einstein provided empirical evidence for the atomic theory. Everything we know about these nuclear bombs, all of them, the foundational work was done by Albert Einstein. Again, Einstein solved the riddle of photoelectric effect. These are amazing scientific feats. Albert Einstein proposed a theory of relativity. Again, Albert Einstein proposed a general theory of relativity. 
Albert Einstein was awarded the Nobel Prize in physics in 1921 and other numerous distinguished awards. His work had profound and far-reaching implications. Albert Einstein's scientific theories accelerated the development of the world like never before and he gave scientists the tools to mold almost every observable aspect of life as we live it today. From nuclear energy production to synchronization of the GPS that we use in vehicles now, satellites to computers, so many everyday consumer products, all can be traced and linked to Einstein's work. His impact is not just restricted to science, it can be seen in other fields like philosophy, visual art, and literature. One man who was told at a very early stage that you, you're mentally not accurate, you are not sharp, you cannot go far. They placed a label on him, but he rose up to defy all of that. What label have people placed on you? What label? Has society placed on you? What label has your practical experiences in life? Because sometimes the labels that we put on ourselves, they are practical experiences. You wrote an exam and you failed. Written three times, you have failed. You can quickly label yourself as a failure. You can quickly. You entered marriage and you have a challenge in it. And it's like, uh, it's not working. And all of a sudden, you begin to see yourself as a failure. Listen, it's your marriage that is failing. You yourself, you are not a failure. I'm not complicating here. The business you attempted has failed. It does not in any way mean... God does not make failures, by the way. If God made you in his image and God is not a failure, you cannot be a failure. I'm not communicating somebody at all. Listen, if you don't know these things, these are A, B, C, Ds of Christianity. He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. See yourself the way God sees you. That was Albert Einstein. Let me talk to you about Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was an inventor. He's one of the famous inventors of all time. Edison... He's the inventor of the incandescent ball. By his teacher, he was taught he was too stupid to learn anything. Can you imagine that? Too stupid to learn anything. Till tomorrow, we don't know his teacher's name. But today, I'm talking about Thomas Edison. That's Thomas Edison then. He was too stupid to learn anything. And yet, this guy rose up to become one of the greatest inventors of all times. Of all time. Thomas Edison is one of the most influential inventors of all time. He was the first inventor to have an invention laboratory. The one who was stupid to learn anything set up a laboratory. He invented the first electric light bulb. These bulbs that we have here. The genesis began with him. He invented the movie camera. He also invented the rechargeable battery. He played a key role in the development of motion pictures. This is Thomas Edison. A man judged as one who is too stupid to learn anything. That was Thomas Edison. I reserve the rest for my next service. The third view is God's view of yourself. God's view of yourself. God's view of yourself. Now let's look at Matthew 16, 15 to 17. Now God's view of yourself. Matthew 16, verse 15 to 17. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are. Somebody say, You are. You are the Christ, the Son of God, the living God. Verse 17, let's read it together. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has no what? Reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's God's view of you. That's what your view of yourself, what you say of yourself, that's what others say of you, and that's what God says of you. God's view of you, brothers and sisters, is the most credible and authentic view of yourself. God's view of you is the most authentic and credible view you must embrace about yourself. That's a key note there. That is the most authentic 
and the most credible view you must embrace about yourself. By all means, and it starts with you believing it. Sometimes we don't act in God's view of us, but we have to see ourselves because see, you cannot actually act the way God sees you until you begin to believe that this is how God has wired you to be. God's view of you. Your identity in life must be grounded and rooted in God's view of you. That's where your identity must come from. Your identity must not be rooted in your view of yourself, in other people's view of you. It must be rooted in God's view of you. I wrote here, I said, you must define yourself by your position in Christ and not by your power, prestige, position, or possessions in the flesh. Never, never. Don't define yourself. If your self-worth is all in your material goods, the moment you lose it, you are gone. You remember the day Job lost everything. He says, though he slay me yet, I would still trust him. He said, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. He was looking for a better future, though he had lost everything he had in the material. Your position can change. Your prestige can go. Your wealth you can lose it. The Bible says a man's life does not consist in abundance of things he possesses. Your view of yourself must be your position in Christ. That is how you must see yourself. Your view, your worth, and your self-esteem must be rooted in how you see yourself in Christ. You must understand that your identity cannot be anchored on the flesh. No, you cannot. The Bible says, henceforth, no, we know man after the flesh. No, we know man after the flesh. I like Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. This is Apostle Paul. He said, I want to please God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. I immediately did not confer with flesh and blood. If you confer with flesh and blood, you always limit yourself. You always limit your abilities. You always limit the scope of your influence in life. Let me close quickly. Four reasons why God's view of you must form the basis of your identity. Four reasons why God's view of you must form the basis of your identity. Four reasons why God's view of you must form the basis of your identity. Number one, his knowledge of you is more accurate and precise than everyone else. Somebody say God's knowledge of me. is more accurate and precise than everyone else. I'm very excited with this teaching. I don't know whether somebody's getting blessed at all. But it's one of the teachings I have looked forward to for a long time. God's view of you. No one, no one knows you better than God. No one. Oh, I know him very well. It's a lie. I know him. We have assessed him. This is all he can do. It's a lie. No one knows you better than God. Listen, no one knows you better and no one understands you fully than God. That's why you need to have his view of you. In Psalm 139, verse 1 to 6, the Bible gives a certain beautiful account. He says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Can you see that? God knows everything about me. Somebody say, God knows everything about me. You know, there are people who think they know you, but they don't know you that much. God knows everything about you. And if somebody must make a judgment of you, the person whose judgment must be trusted is the one who knows everything about you. Not be so. You see, the truth of the matter is that God is not only informed about your past, he knows your past, he knows your present, and is very much aware of your future. So, that is a comprehensive knowledge. You go to the past, he's there, present, he's there. In the future, he knows. There is nothing virtually God does not know about you. So, his view of you must matter because he knows you completely. Number two, his knowledge of your gift and abilities beyond the comprehension of any mortal. God's knowledge of your skills, abilities, and giftings is much more than the comprehension of any mortal. I don't know whoever gave the verdict about Albert Einstein. 
but maybe they put him under a scanner or something and then they detected that there was a challenge with his brain. They said, yeah, this guy is not going to amount to much. That was their conclusion. Scientifically, it was accurate, but spiritually, it was inaccurate. They looked at him and said, no, the kind of brain challenge you have, you cannot accomplish much. But God knew that out of this man will come great scientific inventions. God knew that out of Thomas Edison, who was so stupid to learn anything, out of him could emerge great inventions as well. They said all of that. God knows you much more than anybody. There are certain giftings and potentials in you you are yet to explore. There are things in you you don't know about yourself. And the moment we get to know who God is and what God has put in us, we'll begin to value ourselves. Number three, he knows the fullness of his plan and purpose for your life. God knows the fullness of his plan and purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. He said, I know the plan. Somebody say, I know. Who? I know, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans. Your mother may have no plan, but I have a plan. Your parents may not have born you with a plan, but I have a plan. Your teachers may not have a plan for you, but I have a plan. And it's not just any empty plan. It's a perfect plan. It's a superior plan. It's a great plan. It's a plan to give you a future and a hope. I'm not communicating somebody at all. So don't look at your life and because your parents couldn't get you any heritage, condemn yourself and say, this is how life is going to be. No, life can be better than this. God has a master plan. God has a better plan. You may not have been born as expected, but your birth may be accident to men, but not accident to God. God wired you before you were born in your mother's, he said before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you came out, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I'm not communicating somebody at all. Now listen, until you begin to embrace this view of yourself, you have not started life yet. And let me tell you, in closing, God, number one, we said God knows you better than everybody. He knows your gift. His knowledge of your gift and potential is much more than everybody. And he knows the fullness of his plan and purpose for your life. And listen, in spite of all of these things, he loves you unconditionally. Did you hear what I said? God knows you better than everybody. Anybody who thinks he knows you is lying. You don't know me like you think. I don't know you like I think. God knows me fully, in total, inside out. And in spite of everything he knows about me, he's not ashamed to call me his son. He's not ashamed to call me his child. He's not ashamed to identify with me. He sees me as valuable. He sees me as priceless. He sees me as love. In spite of everything, you know, sometimes people get to know certain things about you and they begin to review their relationship with you. They begin to change their attitude towards you. They begin to change. They begin to tell you all manner of things, but not so with our God. The more he knows us, the more he loves us. That should bring joy and excitement and relief. When you begin to understand this, you cease living your life to please other people. You cease living your life to win other people's approval or pleasure. No. He knows your name. He knows your every thought. He knows every part of you. And I'm glad to let you know he loves you anyway. Turn to your neighbor and say he loves me anyway. Such a person's view of you must be important to you. So your identity is always established based on three views. Either your view of yourself, others' view of you, or God's view of you. Tonight, I charge and encourage you, choose to go for God's view of yourself. Choose to embrace God's view of yourself. Open up to the view of God that he has for your life. And as you do so, I see you walk in great exploits. 
I see you fulfill your destiny. I see you fulfill your destiny. I see you do great exploits for God. In the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and begin to thank God and bless him. That his view of you is a better view. His view of you is the best view. Thank him and give him praise. Give him glory. has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages, as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. Second service, 8.15 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. Third service, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service with our first service, 5.45 p.m. to 7 p.m. Second service, 7.15 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi. God richly bless you.